Our text for this morning uh, is the Lord's Prayer, as we find it in the Gospel of Matthew. It's, on, it's Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Uh, you're welcome to flip to it in the Bible. It's going to be projected here. It's very brief. If you want to just listen, I wouldn't blame you at all. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 9. Listen to God's word. Jesus said, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. So this morning I'm most interested in um, that little request that comes in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, which is, give us today our daily bread. So I want to ask us today... What do we make of that phrase, especially since we're all about to stuff ourselves? Um, Because on one hand, this is a great text for a Thanksgiving Day sermon. This is the day where we very intentionally reflect on everything, every good thing that God has given us, and we show him our gratitude because he's, he's blessed us so much. But then on the other hand it occurs to me that maybe this is a very challenging idea for us on Thanksgiving because we have so much more than bread. In fact, uh, most of us are going to avoid eating bread today because that's just going to fill us up, right? Like if you're like me, you're after the good stuff. Don't overdo it on the dinner rolls. Bring on the stuffing and the sweet potatoes and the pie and so on and so on. I think it's safe to say that most of us in this room have our culinary sights set a little bit higher than bread today. And this is the case for most days, maybe especially today, but most days. So what should we do with this little line in Jesus' prescribed prayer for us? Uh, The Heidelberg Catechism, which is a a historical confessional document um, for the church, Heidelberg Catechism says that when Jesus talks here about daily bread, he is referring to all of our physical needs, not just calories, not just bread. So um, he's saying essentially, give us everything that we need in order to live our physical lives, everything that we need to keep us here and to keep us alive and to keep us well. And I think that's a very appropriate way to to, um, interpret this text. I really do. However... Um, When we generalize this idea of daily bread, I think it's really easy to kind of lose track of the very specific thing that Jesus is saying here, and I think we're in danger of missing something. So let me talk just a little bit about about the Greek text here, what the Greek text says in Matthew 6. First of all, the Greek word for daily here doesn't mean every day. It doesn't mean a perpetual, uninterrupted stream of bread. It refers only to one single day. 
So Jesus is telling us to pray for one day's worth of bread. That's it. And then secondly, in the Greek text, the word for bread here literally means bread. Like, that's it. The stuff that you have on your shelf that you smear peanut butter on in the morning. That's what he's talking about. So if you prayed the Lord's Prayer today, you literally asked God to give you bread today. That's it. Nothing more. And here's why this is significant. This literal request in the Lord's Prayer should not be lost on us, but it is for a few different reasons. For one, you and I live in a very complicated economic system. We live in the, with these modern structures in our society that, that involve things like banks and loans and mortgages and bonds and financing. So in North America, you and I can live, a, if we want to, a really, really high lifestyle and have less than no money. Like, that's possible. For a while, you can do that. Um, if you want today, you can go get a brand new car for no money down. In North America, you can have a great big house and you can drive a nice new car and have all kinds of luxuries, even if your debts outweigh your assets. That's us. However, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray for daily bread, that was not the case. It was very, very different. This was a culture and this was a time when many jobs expired on the same day that they started. Many people... Most people in first century Palestine were day laborers. You went to the town square at sunrise and you stood there and you hoped that you got hired. And if you got hired, that was really good news. And you hoped that there would be enough work so that you could work until the sun set so that you could go home with enough money to pay for your family to eat that day. It was a very hand-to-mouth society and because wages were so small, saving money was nearly impossible. It was overwhelmingly hand-to-mouth. Very, very different from ours. So economically, this text is hard for us. Like, we just live in a different world than this text. But it's not just that we live in a different world economically. We also live in a, in a, in a very different food culture than this one. Our food culture is so different than this. For us... Um, Bread is an appetizer at a cheap Italian restaurant, right? For us, uh, bread is something to be avoided on Thanksgiving because it's just going to take away room that we had reserved for stuffing. But for Jesus and his disciples, bread was fuel. Bread was calories. Bread was tomorrow's energy so that I can work and earn enough to buy bread for the next day. It was caloric intake. In the first century, folks didn't only eat for pleasure. They did eat for pleasure, but more so, they ate to live. That's very different than us. I read uh, an article a little while back that said that our culture, is a, is a, our food culture has such extremes. We eat at such extremes. We've got fast food and we've got gourmet food. 
And fast food, we kind of treat like it's nothing, like we just kind of pick it up on a whim or pick it up because we have a craving and there's a dollar menu and it's a drive through and it's just kind of nothing. But then we have gourmet food that we treat like it's everything and we will pay an arm and a leg and, and, and you know, just really, really invest in it because it's oh, you know, subtly balanced with a hint of lemon zest and fennel kind of thing. And so it becomes everything to us. So food can... Food can, in the same day, food can be nothing to us, and it can be everything to us. And I'm not saying that fast food is bad. I'm not saying gourmet food is bad. I'm just saying we live in a culture that has a really interesting relationship with food. And the culture, our our food culture, is way different, way different than the food culture that Jesus was working with. So when he writes to us and says, this is how you should pray, And he tells us about bread. It's not our bread that he's talking about. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, do we even know what we're asking for? I mean, what would happen if God (laughs) would literally answer that prayer and he would take away everything that we have and give each of us eight ounces of bread? You're welcome. Right? Take backs, take backs. And and then the prospect of tomorrow's bread isn't even on the table. We're not even talking about tomorrow's bread. This is just today's bread. Now, I realize I'm being a little bit extreme here. And I hope that no one is losing their appetite And I hope that everyone here eats all kinds of really, really delicious things. Um, That's definitely what I am going to do. I am aiming for a a high caloric intake today. Those are my plans. But I also think we have an opportunity to do Thanksgiving well. How do we do that? Give us this day our daily bread. It seems to me that the most challenging word in that phrase is the word give. When we pray this prayer, it might be kind of a downer that we're only asking for bread and not something with lemon zest and fennel. And it might make make us a little bit anxious that we're only asking for today's bread because what about tomorrow? But, but I think at the, the core of the problem of this phrase, give us today our daily bread, is this word give. Because by asking God to give us something, we are admitting that we are dependent upon him. And we human beings hate to be dependent. We hate to be dependent. We like to think that we can provide for ourselves and that we are capable enough and we're smart enough and we're savvy enough and we're talented enough to be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and earn for ourselves and the people we love the things that we need. But we're not. We forget how dependent and how helpless and how fragile we are. Until, uh, we forget that until we're threatened somehow. 
Jack Rhoda is a favorite preacher of mine. He says, the burden of being healthy is that it disguises your, your true condition, which is that you're dying. He says, the burden of being rich is that you're able to hide from yourself your poverty. He says, the burden of being intelligent is that you forget how little you know. The burden of being important is that you forget your actual insignificance in the cosmic sense of things. He says, we get drunk on what we have. We get drunk on what we have. Like we walk around with all of this overconfidence. We walk around with all the confidence in the world, drunk on what we have, even though, so we have this sense that everything we have is ours and that we earned it and we were capable enough and we got it. So we have this overconfidence that doesn't resemble the actual fragility of our lives. But if this text has anything to teach us, it may be that you and I are daily beggars before God. I mean, when you really strip it all away, we are beggars before the Almighty. Here's my hot take for the day. My Thanksgiving hot take for the day. Maybe there is something appropriate about trying to celebrate Thanksgiving in the middle of a pandemic. Maybe. (laughs) I think it fits to some degree. Maybe it's just right because we don't feel as invincible as we did 20 months ago, do we? At least I know that I don't. We had to learn a lot of things the hard way in the last 20 months. We have learned that we are not invincible. We have learned that we are not in control. We have learned that we are extremely dependent Uh, uh, for our health and our safety and our security. And those things are not guaranteed to us. And I think that Jesus would tell us that's growth, having learned those things. That's growth. Uh, My wife Kara shared this uh, quote on social media this week, and I find it really helpful. It's from this British writer, Pico Iyer, P-I-C-O-I-Y-E-R. And he says... I think all of us have found during the pandemic that we have much less control over the external world than we imagine, but that we have much more control over how we respond to it. We have much less control over the external world than we imagine, but we have much more control over how we respond to it. That's growth. That's spiritual growth. So the question is, how do we respond today with humility and surrender and sobriety and submission and thanksgiving? Sometimes the greatest blessings that God ever gives us is to take things away from us. 
Let's celebrate. And it seems to me that one of the very best ways that you and I can celebrate the goodness and the faithfulness and the provision of God today is to feast. And like I said, that is my plan. High calorie intentions over here. That's what I'm going to do. That's one way that we can celebrate the goodness of God. It also occurs to me that another good way for us to celebrate Thanksgiving and for us to celebrate the provision of God, and maybe some of us should do this in the next few days, is to fast. To fast. To eat nothing. To feel hungry. To feel dependent. To let those roots dig a little bit deeper into our actual identity, into the actual source of every good and perfect gift. Or at bare minimum, at least we should examine a piece of bread before we ingest it today. Uh, Henry Matisse, the great artist, Henry, Henry Matisse once said, beautiful things carry greetings from another world. Beautiful things carry greetings from another world. A piece of bread is a beautiful thing. And the bread that we eat today, stuffed into a turkey or not, carries with it greetings from another world and promises that are rooted in eternity. You know how we talk sometimes about things in life being priceless? Some things, some things can't be assigned any kind of earthly value. Maybe it's a, a wonderful work of art or a relationship or, or some kind of event. We talk about some things are being priceless. The reason those things are priceless is because they are rooted in a world that is beyond our own. Jesus tells us, your bread is that thing. Our bread is that thing. Our bread is priceless. Our bread is rooted in a world that is beyond our own. And so of all people, those who follow Christ should be thankful. Jesus is challenging us about what we're doing with our bread. Do you see that even this is a miracle of my grace. Even this is a foretaste of my extravagant goodness to you. We may be dependent, and we may be hungry, and we may have little or no control over the world around us, but in every little thing, we receive the grace and care of our generous, generous Father. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to feast today. We thank you for the great abundance which lies before us. May that feast and our abundance never get in the way of us seeing the divine promises in one bite of bread. We thank you that you have rooted in eternity all of our earthly blessings.
and that beautiful things always carry greetings from that world. Help us to tap into those beautiful things. Help our roots to go deep, deep, deep into the soil to see that every good and perfect gift comes from you. We thank you for Jesus, for his love for us, for his sharing of his identity with us, and for him giving himself to us as our bread. In his name we pray.